In this year, we discuss the basic rules of an employer firing an employee or withdrawing a withdrawing an offer to have him work for him. The Mishnah says that in general, Mishnah as explained by the Gemara says that in general, if an if an employer or an employee reneges on a commitment, they have no financial claim, they're just tarumas, there's the right to have complaints. The Gemara never clearly defines what it means, the right to have complaints. Rishonim, Achronim give various suggestions. He has the right to be upset at him internally. He has the right to complain about him to others. But in terms of an actionable claim in Basin, there's, there's no Tviyas Mamon if the employee quits quits or or changes his mind about, about a commitment to work, or if an employer if an employer reneges on a commitment to offer a job to an employee, there is no tfiyas mab. The Gemara, however, explains further that that's only if the worker has not yet gone down to the job site and the employer pull, uh, withdraws the job offer. But once he's gone down and then the employer says, sorry, I don't have work for you, then the employer is chayev. There is a tfiyas mab and he has to pay him. He doesn't pay him, the Gemara explains, he doesn't pay him the full amount. If he promised him $10 an hour, the worker came down and says, sorry, I have no work for you. He doesn't owe the full amount because at the end of the day, the worker is not working. So it's easier not to work. In general, it's easier not to work than to work unless the work is really fun. Or the Gemara talks about cases where the workers need to work. The Post can talk about cases where it's learning Torah, where they want to work. But in general, the person would rather not work than work. So you get to reduce the, the employer gets to reduce the amount he has to pay by, by by a, by a procedure called Poel Batel, he adjusted based on the fact that the worker is not actually working. But the employer does have to pay. He does have to pay a substantial fraction of the promised commitment to the employee because once the, once the employee came down to the job site, the employer becomes obligated to whatever he promised him. The Rishonim, Tosis, and the Rush, and the Post can accept this, the Rishonim add an additional point. They say that the Gemara talks about how when you go down to the job site, that itself, some Rishonim say that the beginning to work or going down to the job site is considered like a Kenyan. It locks in whatever commitment the, the employer has. But the Rishonim say, in addition to that, there's another factor at play here, that if the employer caused the employees a loss, meaning that the employees had other opportunities when they first accepted this job, and they forewent those opportunities, they, they gave them up because they were relying on the, this opportunity of employment, then the employer has caused them a loss. So forget Kenyan, the employer is called Dover Ha'avud, to use the Gemara's terminology, or Dina de Garmi, it's considered a mazik, a form of Garim Hezik, which is Chayav, Dina de Garmi, we pass one like Rameyer, who's done Dina de Garmi, the toast and the rush, and many posts can say that there's a Chayav of mazik here. We shouldn't discuss, Tzos and Akronim discuss, whether it's really true that this would be considered mazik, it's really just Mania it's really just opportunity cost for the workers, it's, uh, it's, it's Garmi of Sheves, Tzos Achoshin calls it, you're being Garim Sheves, Sheves is one of the five types of Tashlumen for personal injury for lost income, Tzos argues that there's no Dina de Garmi for Sheves, Tzos says, Marm of Rattenberg says there's no Dina de Garmi here, but the bottom line is, the Post can generally agree, even Tzos agrees, because of Dabra Ovid, Post can generally agree that there is a mechanism to hold the landlord liable in the case where he caused them a loss, either because of a din of Davra Avud, and Sivas talks about a, a takana or an omdana that he agrees to be chayav in such a case, or because of din of the army. Whatever it is, it's generally agreed that there is an obligation for causing the employees a loss. So basically, the, the, the sugya, together with Rishonim, 
it emerges that there are two bases to hold the employer liable. Either once they actually go down to the job site before he, before he cancels on them, and that's considered beginning the work, appearing at the job site, that's a kind of Kenyan which locks in the, land, the, the employer's commitment to them. Or if he causes them a loss, that itself, he's chayev to make them hold, he's chayev to make sure that they avoid losing because of his, because of his, uh, because of his reneging on his commitment. But without these, two, without these two scenarios, in a case where there was no Haskalat Malacha, they didn't begin doing anything, and he didn't cause them a loss, then the Mishnah says they have no, no financial claim against the Balabayas, just Tarubas. Complaints, whatever that means. The Sma, the Sma discusses another possible problem with the landlord's conduct, and with the employer's conduct in this case, and that is Mechus Ramana. There's a Halacha, She'eris Yisrael, Layasu Avla, Vlo a Jew is obligated to keep his word, it's considered uh, an act of rishus to break your word, even when there's no Kenyan. So this mass says, Lachara, if the employer breaks his word to the employees, then he's, he violates Machus Ramana, even if there's no Kenyan, even if there's no loss, he violates Machus Ramana. So this mass says that there's actually a major Machlokes Rishonim, two days in the Achronim as well, whether if a person makes a commitment, and in between the making of the commitment and the time to fulfill the commitment, the conditions change. The price changes. That's the classic case that we shown and discussed. Post can discuss other types of changes in the in conditions in the prevailing conditions. Are you still obligated to keep your word? Had you actually made a Kenyan, then it's much harder. Sometimes you can still break back out of a Kenyan, but generally, ain't after Kenyan clone. Once it was a Kenyan, it's much harder to renege on your commitment. But if there's no Kenyan, it's just a question of Mechusra It's a major machlok saposkim whether Mechusra Amana applies if the price changes. So this not says that this question would might depend on that. In the case where the employer committed to his employees to give them a job, <coughs> then he found a better opportunity. He found workers who'll do it for less. So that's like Nishtana Hashari says. That's like the price change. So it would be telling in that machlok Svishonim whether Mechus Ramana still applies or not. Other Akronim disagree with that. Some Akronim say that in the case of Paulim, there's more of a reliance on, 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 the, on the employer's word. So everyone would agree there's Mechus Ramana here and there's no dispensation for Nishtana Ashar. The, the idea that you found a new, better offer, that's called Nishtana Ashar. It's also not clear. Had you done your due diligence beforehand, you, you would have discovered that beforehand. If you chose not to look, if you chose to offer the job to these Paulim, unless the price of workers actually changed, the fact that you then looked some more and found another opportunity, contemporary posts can debate whether that's really called Nishtana Ashar. I'll call upon him, so there's some debate here about whether, whether there's certainly Tarumas. There's also a question of Paschal which is very serious. It can be called a Russia for breaking your word. And that's all when there's no loss to the workers, and that's all when there's no beginning of the work. Once the, once the work begins, once, or you cause the workers a loss, then it's, it, it passes out of the realm of Tarumas and Mechus and becomes an actual issue of, of Tbias Mamad. <coughs> This discussion in the sugya is about is, is primarily about uh, quitting is about firing the worker, so to speak, about reneging on the commitment before the work even starts. Potentially, these 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 points can be issues even during the even during the work. If you hire somebody for a year, then six months into the year you say, "Never mind, uh, I don't need you anymore. I'm deciding not. Uh, I don't want to retain you anymore." The same issues would apply. If it's haschalas malacha, it would be a Kenyan. If you cause him a loss, then uh, then you can't do that. Either way, it would be a question of tarumas or mechus ramana. Why is it Tarumas? The Shach proposes various reasons. He said the main reason he gives is the is the tircha of finding a new job. The employee, the employee now has to start job hunting again, which is not fun. Tircha. 
Shach suggests that if the employer provides him a new job, there's no effort on behalf of the employee. There wouldn't even be terumas then. But either way, there'd be the other issues. <coughs> the issue of Mechus Ramana, the issue of causing him a loss. And generally, once you start working, you're anyway going to be locked in for the duration of the term because that is, uh, because his chilub malacha, the question of halchut to the, if they went down to the job site or they began the job, that anyway locks in the employer and he's committed to the, he's committed to pay whatever he promised the employee. Now, the one great exception the Gemara makes is if, the, if an onus happens, to, if an onus happens. The Gemara discusses agricultural work, it discusses things like he hires them to irrigate the field and it rains, or it, so he hires them to do to hoeing work and they can't do it because it rained, or he hires them to irrigate and the water dried up. In all these various scenarios, the, the main rule the Gemara establishes is that if there's an onus, if unforeseen circumstances befall, befall the, the employer, and now he says, I, either I don't need you or you can't do the work anymore. So in general, the, in such a case, the employer is not responsible to the employees, unless it's a case where the employer could have potentially foreseen the issue, and the employee had less knowledge and could not have foreseen. The Gemara explains, the post can explain, if it's something that either of them could have easily foreseen as a possibility, they had equal knowledge and either of them could have recognized this as a possibility, then the employer is off the hook and the employee does not get paid. If it's something that is loshriyat, that's uh, unlikely, and both of them, both of them understood that it was relatively unlikely, again, the fact that they don't stipulate means, by default, the post can explain, since the employee is not the muksuk, by default, the employer is potter, he's not obligated to pay anything in a case where there was an onus, where there's circumstances beyond his control that prevent him from being able to offer the work to the employee. Since the reason is muksuk, post can actually discuss what happens if the employee was paid in advance. That may change it. What happens if he was toe-faced after they paid? What if he wasn't muksuk at the time they made the agreement, he became muksuk afterwards? Post can discuss these things. But the, the general rule is that if, that if an onus happens that was equally foreseeable, either equally likely or equally, each of them understood, they, they equally understood that it was likely, they each of them knew that it was unlikely. In all, in all cases where the situation is symmetric, then the employer is potter from paying. The only time the employer is high of generally is that is a case where he had, he realized, he, had, he, he understood his business, he understood his field, he understood the local conditions, and he knew that the possibility was somewhat foreseeable, and the employee did not realize he didn't have his intimate knowledge of the conditions, then the employer is liable. Gemara has certain other conditions as well, but, the, but certain other cases, but that, that, that's, the, that's the, most, uh, the most basic, the most commonly discussed case where an employer is liable in a case where, in a case where he had better knowledge, superior knowledge to the worker, he could have, he, and, and he could have mentioned it and didn't, then he's liable even if that onus happens. There is a machlok sacronim, it, the Gemara is discussing a case of an onus, which is either relatively shriach or not so shriach. There is a debate in the poskim in a case where the onus is lo shriach klal, where it's completely unexpected, it's completely out of the blue. There is a shita, Beis Yosef, uh, Yosef brings a shita, that if it's lo shriach klal, the balabayas always loses. The balabayas, the employer, always has to pay. The Machnefrayim brings that. But the Menchas Pitim, Rameir Arik says, it's Sarachi and Gadol, the other poskim don't, don't seem to indicate that, and even if it's very low shriach, the same rule will still apply, according to the Menchas Pitim, that if, if nothing was stipulated, then the default assumption is that if an onus happens, whether it's very shriach, not so shriach, not shriach at all, the Iker is, the Menchas Pitim says, that the employer is off the hook, he does not have to pay the employee. There's one additional case, an extremely complicated discussion, 
and that is Makas Medina. This was heavily discussed by all the Bate Din and Rabbanim at the, at the, a couple of years ago, at the beginning of, uh, of COVID, where all kinds, all kinds of arrangements, rentals, employment, all kinds of things fell through, were canceled, people backed out because of lockdowns and COVID and COVID cautiousness and so on, laws, and common sense, precautions and so on. So there was a great deal of discussion, again, according to the rules we saw, if a person had, had committed to an employee, but then COVID came and now the, the work can't be done, generally we, we would expect the halacha to be that the employer is off the hook. There is, however, a category called Makas Medina, where the problem is not something local to the specific employer and employee, but it affects universally everyone in this community, a broad swath of the community, plus can debate exactly what the definition is. But what happens then? So this is a very, very complex and difficult sugya. There are a variety of opinions. Some opinions are it's the same thing, that the employer, just like a regular onus, the employer is off the hook. The Makas Medina, the same halacha applies as well, that the, unless something was stipulated otherwise, the employer is off the hook. Some folks can say on the contrary, the fact that it's a Makas Medina means the employer is on the hook for, for, for whatever he committed to pay. There is a, an opinion that, uh, that they split the difference. Ravasha Weiss and other contemporary postmen as well recommended that uh, since the sugi is so difficult and there's no clear resolution and there are major opinions in all directions, the recommendation is to, is to reach some kind of charit, to reach some kind of compromise. But there is this major machlokas, whether in the case of Makas Medina, we still say that unless the employer had superior knowledge, he, he is exempt from paying the workers, as opposed to other postmen who say, no, the fact that it's Makas Medina changes everything, and then the employer is liable. So all this is discussing firing an employee without cause. What about firing for cause? So there is a Gemara. The Gemara talks about a number of types of professions. It talks about shasla, those who plant trees for, 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 the, for the property owner. The Gemara talks about mikradardiki, a teacher of children, tabcha, shochet, umna, a bloodletter or a moel, safar masa, a scribe. So all these people are musrin v'omdin. It's, it's as though they were warned. They don't have to get warning. If, if they do anything wrong, they, if, they, if they make an error that causes some damage to the, to the employer, Klal de Milsa, the Gemara says, if they made Pseida, they caused a loss, and the Pseida is Lohadar, and the Pseida cannot be reversed, cannot be undone, it's, uh, it's, that's a firing offense. They don't have to have had any warning. They, are, they can be fired. The Mukhiyosif says, you, you don't need Hasra, but you still need Chazaka. It has to have happened more than once, three times. That has to have happened repeatedly, but if it does, you can fire him. So the, the and that's that's the, the, the Ramah brings this opinion. The Ramah says that the Ramah says that the that, that he that he passed the black from Mukayev. he says even if you don't need hasra, you need chazaka. Until they're Mukzakin or hasra, you can't fire. So you can fire in either of these two circumstances. When there's pseida lohadar, when there's a pseida that isn't being uh, that you aren't being made whole again for. You can fire either if it if there was hasra, if there was warning, or if there was a chazaka that the, that the worker does this repeatedly. Now the Gemara itself is talking about it seems to be talking about the workers who work for the public. The Gemara talks about the Gemara talks about Sapramasa, uh, someone who works for the city. The Gemara Malabastra the, the also mentions the Sapramasa. So some Rishonim, the Rambam brings the, the Rambam brings this as these are workers for the community on behalf of the public. The Ravid and the Mukiyosef, the, the Ramak brings this to the Torah, Yeshomrim, that this applies to a private worker as well. You can fire him for Pseidid Lohadar, either if there's Hasra or if there's Chazaka. <coughs> what is Pseidid Lohadar? What does it mean Lohadar? So the Rishonim explain. If he can pay for it, if he can just pay for what damage he caused, 
that's that's hadar. He can he can make the employer whole again. Jaded law hadar means it's not possible to measure it, or it's not uh, it's not something he has to pay for because it's only grama or it's, or it's lost profits, so, or something that's incalculable. What is the case of the school teacher? The Rishon have a number of different shatim. Some say it means he teaches them wrong things, so the wrong things enter their heads, and it's once the mistake goes in, it's hard to scrub their heads and clean out the mistake. Some say it means he didn't teach them; he wasted time. So there, there's a few hours of the children's life that can never be they'll never be returned. They, they went a few hours of that learning Torah. Some say it means he beats the kids improperly; he uses uh, abusive punishment. So all these things, it, it, there's no way to put a price tag on them. Even the ones that that, that deal with money, like the tree planter and, and so on, that uh, that sometimes you can't prove it or you can't uh, you can't quantify the hezek. The Rashi and Tosfos are arguing about Basra. Rashi says, "What is a south sofer must ascribe?" <coughs> it means he wrote a Sefer Torah with errors. You can pay for that, he said. You can fix the Sefer Torah. If it costs money, I guess you can charge him for it. So it means uh, he wrote a shtar. He wrote a shtar that uh, and he, he wrote an improper document, and it wound up causing uh, a loss to the to the client. And these cases, you can't always pay for it, and uh, you can't always pay for it, and and uh, that's called Sefer Torah. The, the Sma explains, well, what about the tree case? So the Sma brings a couple of shot in the tree case, he says, that, uh, again, it would, had you planted the tree properly, you would have brought in revenue. There's no way now to assess to properly quantify that revenue. That's called Pseidid Lohadar. I'll call upon him, the Gemara has this category called Pseidid Lohadar, called an injury, which is not, uh, you're not compensating him for. In such a case, if it's either Hasra, or if, or if it's Muchzakin, or the Pseidid Lohadar, you don't need Hasra, so if you're, as long as you're Muchzakin, according to the Mukhi Yosef, according to the Ramah, according to that opinion, that's enough. Again, we're in the work of Shuto, even without Chazaka, the Rambam, the, the Machaber don't mention Chazaka, that, that you can fire somebody. Rambam, however, says we're talking about public workers. What about private workers? So this is a great, uh, a great confusion among the Rishon. The Rambam says in the Rambam, private workers as well. The Rambam brings Yesham and Muadin Yachid. The question is, the, the question that Kerem deal with is, what are we talking about here? Why do you need a reason to fire somebody? Are you not allowed to fire somebody without cause? So what is the halacha? Is in, in America, in the United States, employment is typically at will. So what is the halachic view of, of employment? Do you need just cause to fire? The Gemara seems to say you need a cause, but or, or, or not. This is a major machlok sacronim. Many acronym, perhaps most acronym, say you can fire somebody at will. This is the opinion of the different machil, of the Beit Shlomo, of the Makar Mayim Chaim, of the Chazanish, these posts can all say you can fire, you can fire at will. Some of them say it's actually Tully and Machlok Rishonim about someone who agrees to support somebody else and doesn't specify how long he's going to support him. Is it La'olam? Is it indefinitely? Or is it for a limited amount of time? Other, other, other Akronim say this is, uh, th- that this is Lakuliyama, employment is not at will. Nirmal says that when you, when you agree to support somebody and you don't say how long, so there's no way to know, so it just means indefinitely. But here, if I pay you weekly, then I'm, I'm hiring you for one week at a time. I pay you monthly, I'm hiring you for one month at a time. And that's it. This is the sheet of the Chazanish and others. Chazanish actually is not sure if you pay, if, if you agree to pay daily, does that mean you're only committed for a day or are you still committed for a month at a time? But either way, all these Akronim say more or less employment is not at will. You don't need to, you don't need a cause to fire somebody. So what is the Gemara talking about when the Gemara says that you need Tzedid uh, Adar, you need Hasra, you need Chazaka? What is the Gemara talking about? So the Evan Ovazel says, that's the of the Rambam. That's why the Rambam brings the halacha only with regard to a tzibur. He says, the only reason not to fire somebody without cause is really lefnim meshur din. 
is to uh, is to adopt a higher standard of uh, of conduct. Atibor chuyif to jules from Meshur Sadim, but Yachid is not. The Gemara brings a story about Yachid about Runya and Ravina, and Runya was upset that Ravina fired him for making a mistake. So the Ravina says from Meshur Sadim he was upset. He was saying Ravina should have acted from Meshur Sadim. The Gemara said no because he was upset at Lahadar, and that was a good enough reason to fire him. But the Avraham says that's trying to ram him. That uh, that there's that because employment is at will. This whole discussion of firing is basically not nogeah to a yachid. It's only nogeah to a rabbim. A rabbim is expected to follow this high standard of not firing without cause. The Chazanish says that we're talking about a case where the the minog was now the minog was not to fire without cause. Where, where there was a minog, then employment was not at will. Where the employment was indefinite uh, unless there was cause. That's what we're talking about. The Shulchan Aruch is very ambiguous. The Shulchan Aruch doesn't explain what we're talking about. A case where, where, where there's a minog or not, so the, the Shulchan Aruch really leaves us hanging. When is this issue of just cause relevant? In other in other areas of Shulchan Aruch, poskim specifically tell us that if someone exhibits problematic behavior as an employee, you can fire him. The Ramad, the Shus Yaakov say that if someone is, uh, is is suspected of theft, you can fire him. The and again that pashtus means even if you even if you did not hire him at will, even if he was hired. You committed yourself for a certain term, or you committed yourself indefinitely. Even then, you can fire. Even then, you can still fire him if he's if he's suspected of theft. Who is the burden of proof on? So the Arachai says, of course, you know, the burden of proof is on the employer. You can't just otherwise. Lashavkis Chai says anyone could just fire anybody else and claim I suspect him of theft. That's not a workable system. He says, so you, of course, the employer has to prove it. Mishpat Apolim says that's the general consensus of the post. Kim Yaakov uses language like that. He has to mavar that that he's a criminal. Arachai says you don't need proper to aid him. He says the fact that the, that the fact that you have a krovim or a glaimladam, the fact that there is a solid basis for suspicion, that's enough of a reason to fire him because I'll dash can't even hire him. There's an umdana that even though I committed to, to retain him, I never committed myself. If there's again, assuming that the reason you can't fire him without cause is because I have a commitment, either explicit or implicit, but not if there's a glaimladam that he's a criminal. The Dear Makiel actually though does say that, that you can simply allege. Alleged suspicion without proving it, he says. Basin does ask you, why do you suspect him? If you just say because uh, he looks suspicious, that's not enough. But if you say, I saw him do this, I saw him nosing around in a file cabinet, I saw him where he wasn't supposed to be, that might be enough. If Basin thinks that that's suspicious, even if you can't prove it, that's sufficient. He says that's the most of the earlier postkin. You don't have to prove the facts you allege as long as you allege facts that Basin agrees that if those facts are true. That's grounds for suspicion. Then, based on will let you fire him again, based on umdina, based on these types of arguments. Similarly, he says if there's a call, like the Arachai, if there's a call that he's a criminal, even if the call doesn't prove anything, there's an umdina that I never would have agreed to. I never, I never would have agreed to hire him. I never, I never would, I never would have agreed to commit myself to him if it, once there's a rumor that he's a criminal. Now, again, the Yevrokil is one of the ones who says employment is at will. He just says that even if the employment involved a commitment, even if there was a commitment for a term or indefinitely. Still, if there is a reason to believe that he's uh, that he's corrupt, that he's stealing, that would be grounds for that would be grounds for termination. When it comes to Malamed, so again, we show him give examples of Sayyid Lohadar as he wastes time and the kids are not learning, he teaches them wrong things. So there is a question though, is it only if it's his fault? What if he just makes a mistake? He, he doesn't know the right child of the Gemara, so he teaches them wrong things. Is that grounds for firing? Some some posts can use use language of pshia. It's only if he's pasha, only if he does something that's negligent. If he just doesn't know the right shot, then it's not his fault. On the other hand, if he really can teach properly, it's quite plausible that you shouldn't have to retain him. There's a chuvas rush. The sefer mishpat and brings from the chuvas rush 
Metashochet, who made uh, a good faith error, but he made some kind of error, and the behemoth was drift. Is that grounds for firing him? So the Rush says, well, it depends. If he can, if he made an error and he can learn and get it right the next time, don't fire him, just uh, learn, and next time he'll get it right. But if it's something that you just can't do, if, if the Malami is just not, uh, is not cut out for teaching, he's just not a good teacher, then maybe even if it's not his fault, you can fire him. Mishpah Paul discusses what happens if he can't maintain discipline. He can't, uh, he wasn't pasha in the sense of wasting time or in the sense of teaching erroneous things. He just can't really control a class. He's just unable to command the respect of the children. Might not be his fault. You need his fault. He says it seems the post can agree if he's simply not cut out for the job. So again, if the, if the employer should have known that before he began, different Kiel discussed this as well. If the, if the employer knew about the, the problems with the employee before he hired him and hired him anyway, he can't turn around and say, well, now I want to fire you because you knew that and you accepted that. He's not sure about that. But again, if, the, so if a school hired a teacher, hoping that uh, it would work out, and it didn't. So, again, if it's not she on his part, but it's just that now they argue he's not fit for the job, so that would be, uh, if he's completely unfit, they can probably fire him, the Mishpat HaPolem says. If he, if he just doesn't control the class as well as he should, that's, uh, that, that's a real issue. That, that's, not, that's less clear. Ramosha says a school shouldn't fire a teacher as long as he's a Yerushamayim and he's able to teach and he, and, he's, and, he, and he makes sure the kids are learning doesn't discuss these more uh, modern things. What about class discipline? What about uh, these types of... Ramosh says, as long as he's a Yerushimayim and inspires the children to do the mitzvahs and is capable of teaching and he uh, and making sure they learn, that's good enough. Ramosh is the great holdout. We mentioned earlier that a whole string of Akronim say employment is at will. By default, employment is at will. Ramosh has a shita over several chuvas, including one very long chuva. He argues employment is not at will. By default, all Rishonim agree, he says, by default, if you hire somebody for a job, you are committed to him for as long as the position is available, as long as you have that need, you cannot fire him, that's the default. Specifically with regard to Klikodesh, Ramosha goes even further. Ramosha says that a Malamed, even if the directors and the executives of the yeshiva explicitly told him that we have the right to not renew your contract, we have the right to let you go after the year, maybe they still can't do that, he says, because they're not supposed to do that. The, the directors are only empowered to act on behalf of the yeshiva, <laughs> in a manner consistent with uh, with with uh, with the Torah, with the usher of the Torah, it's not usher to fire a, a teacher without cause. Even Ramosha seems to agree that a private employer who explicitly says, "I want to retain the right to let you go without cause," can do that. In his first chuva, where he develops at length the idea that uh, employment is not at will, he keeps saying, "If you hired a bestam, bestam, you meant that the employment is indefinite as long as you need, as long as the position is available." Ramosha is pretty clear. An ordinary private employer can, can certainly specifically say, I'm not, I'm not hiring you indefinitely, I'm only hiring you at will, but the last time Ramosha keeps saying that employment is at will. When it comes to a Malamed, Ramosha was stricter and says that the school shouldn't fire at all without good cause. I'll call upon him. Many Akronim disagree with Ramosha entirely. They say Stam employment is Stam employment is at will. The employer can terminate whatever he wants. Ramosha is... Uh, Ramosha is somewhat in the minority. Ramosha says that Ramosha says that employment is is not at will by default. If you hire an employee, the commitment is that, that you agree to retain him for as long as the position is available and he's uh, able to fulfill your need, able to do the job that you initially hired him for.